Hello and welcome, everybody, to episode eight of the 3CP Sports Podcast. I'm Luke Wickheiser with my good friends Tony Snyder and Michael Reiner. Guys, it might be hump day, but there's no better time to talk about sports than right now, man. We got a jam-packed show. So what do you guys say? Let's get right into this. Absolutely. Welcome. Well, everybody. and you got to think it's just Christmas week, you know, Absolutely, pretty much. Not, no doubt. It's the holiday season for sports. We got college football on Saturday and the NFL is back as of oh, man. We're, recording, well, we're recording this Wednesday night, but probably when you hear this, the NFL will be ripping and roaring oh, Thursday night, baby. Right. When is when is the first game on Thursday night? Is it eight o'clock game? I think it's an eight twenty game. Cowboys and the Buccaneers uh, on yeah. NBC, correct? I think so. Yes, I believe so. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I'll take Tampa by about three scores. I would really enjoy it, and this will not happen. <laughs> this is outrageous, but I would really enjoy it if it was like seventeen ten or yeah, sixty three. Yeah, that'd be cool. Well, that'd be cool. But uh, sorry, guys. Sorry to my friends, Paul Snyder and Kevin Steen. They're massive Cowboys fans. But I got to get a dig in. I got to get a small dig into them because uh, they, they busted my chops last year uh, bef- ahead of the Browns-Cowboys game, which you can imagine I enjoyed that last year. But uh, so, but yeah, let's get right into it. Let's go uh, from pro football to high school football. Guys, I know it's been a rough year for uh, Smithville and Wellsville so far. Um, Let's not speak of it. Go ahead. Yeah, we won't. We won't spend time on that. But my Cary Blue Devils, man, I had to talk a little bit about them. We had quote unquote episode one of the Mo and Animal show, and man, I had I haven't I forgot how much fun I had up in the booth, man. It's just an amazing experience every time I go up there. And um, I was really expecting a dog fight, maybe even a loss against the Toledo Wake because they're a Division two school. Um, but man, our guys came out and just demolished them, fifty one to six, and so. Uh, a division five say what man i'm sorry that's a good result oh man uh but yeah like you know i was expecting a a tough game and uh, but we got some massive computer points i think our guys are i think sixth in the region right now nice uh, which i think top 12 in the region at least for where we're at getting right Mm -hmm. uh, but now we've got colonel crawford the colonel crawford eagles and they won the uh, northern 10 uh, northern 10 conference last year and I think that was the only conference loss we had at home last year. So, man, you talk about a big game. Everyone's back. The, f- the fans are filling the stands. I'm up in this up in the booth with Eric Maholland. That's going to be a barn burner. I just buckle hope up, guys- America. Oh man, I just hope our guys can uh, can buckle down on defense because Colonel Crawford is averaging 56 points a game. Um, but the teams they've played so far, I don't know how good their competition's been, but that still doesn't mean they can't light us up if we're not careful. So, um, but yeah, that's going to be a hell of a game, but, uh, I don't usually want to say a game like that can shape a conference championship that early in, um, in week four, but it might end up playing a huge role depending on who wins that one. So, but dude, I'm, I'm excited, but, um, let's, let's go forward to uh, college football guys. We had a heck of a week this last week in college football, uh, aside from Ohio state, Minnesota, which I'm still not sure about that one, but man, Man, Alabama showed out against Miami. I didn't expect them. I mean, Alabama's Alabama, but I thought Miami would at least put up a decent fight. Yeah, and there was not uh, much to be heard from from the Hurricanes. Uh, yeah, they weren't Hurricanes. They were Tropical Depressions. Yeah, it, yeah <laughs> it just not uh, did not show out. Um, one of the things that we can't skip over from college football is how close Tulane was to beating oh. Oklahoma. 
Oh my God. <laughs> and they was incredible. I felt so bad for the Tulane quarterback. Yeah. Uh, I have never seen such a close like call. I mean, he was short. I'm not arguing right, that. Right. But it's just like if he would have just stretched it out just a little further. And I'm telling you, mm-hmm. if, if I mean it's a what if now, but if Tulane had gotten that first down, I think they beat Oklahoma because that's right. That's that right. Had no answer. I think the Green Wave would have beat the Sooners, and we'd be having a whole new top four. But right. Uh, my my sister and her my sister and her fiance. I want to say boyfriend, but now I got to get used to saying fiance. Shout out to Chaz. Uh, my sister and her fiance came up to visit us and was having fun. We celebrated both her birthday and dad's birthday. And um, Chaz and I were watching the Oklahoma Tulane game, both just like looking at each other, like how close was that? Unbelievable, yeah. Um, so and then a, and then a great Georgia uh, Clemson game. Um, that, that was an interesting one. And I, you don't think so, Tony, but I think this is going to really come back and bite Clemson in the butt, but, uh, let's have your take on it. Do they still have a shot at the playoffs here? I think they do, but I think that it's very slim and they have to win all the games they're supposed to. And I'm not sure they can. Right. Um, well, and I also want to say this, guys, about the whole Clemson thing. I believe yes. that they've garnered a real stock with the college football playoff committee, and rightfully so. As a regular season team, they've been just as good as anybody. Right. I mean, really, I mean, two regular season losses in the span of like three, four years, right? So, right. I mean, with that loss against Notre Dame, it was hard fought, and this one this year against Georgia. And, I mean, is there is Clemson really better than everybody in the Big 12 and everybody in the pack? I think so. I mean, they're going to go on to win the ACC. Well, and they'll, and they'll probably win going away, at, you know, the large majority of those conference games. It's just, right. you know, how do you view the bottom third of the SEC in comparison to even the mid-ACC? So, right. Right. Same, well, we're not, but well, well, but we're not even really talking about the other teams in the SEC like we're necessarily, I mean, it's pretty much known fact. I mean, if Alabama plays Georgia in the playoff right. and, you know, and um, say Alabama loses to Georgia, you know, right. we know, we know that, you know, the committee probably isn't going to put Alabama in when they just lost their conference championship game. Now, if Clemson goes on and wins all their games or wins all of them except for one, do they get in over a Big 12 or over a pack? I say, yeah. I mean, even probably with two losses, Chan- I would say. I mean, chances are, but I don't think well, – I think with two losses, I think that it's really – they would they would need some help. But, I mean, this is so early that we'll just right. have to – Well, well and, and to kind of – and to kind of build on what Michael is saying, and, and uh, you would think – and maybe with this next year with eight teams, you'd have all the Power Five champions in, which I think is fair – but for right now, we're in that point where we only have four teams, and I think the Pac-12 is going to miss the playoffs again. I mean, who's their best shot at a playoff berth, either Oregon or USC, right? Right uh, now, right now, it seems like it's UCLA or UCLA. Where are they ranked? Where are they at? Are they I ranked? don't think they are. I think that they yeah. had a phenomenal game that nobody saw coming. Right. I have to check the rankings for them, but, uh, but nobody saw wins. But going back to like the Pac-12 being weaker than the SEC or ACC. You know, or SEC. I kind of, I definitely agree with what Michael said. So I, I think what I had, and I'll admit it here, I'm man enough to admit this, is I had a knee jerk reaction with Clemson because, 
you know, the, the ACC minus Clemson is, is, is part of my French is dog shit. I mean, they, they looked, they looked bad last week. I mean, North Carolina got smoked. I forget who else it was. There was like three teams that lost. Didn't they Carolina. start out all in five and maybe they went on six. I don't think they had a win. Who did? The ACC. At least oh, they started yeah. out. Oh, and four, oh, and five. Something, man. Their, their conference is junk. And I mean, I, I know people make fun of the Big Ten in comparison to the ACC, and, and some of that's probably warranted. It is very warranted. But, 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 but no, dude, I don't know what the record is for the ACC, and I probably wouldn't want to. I'd probably change that. But, uh, so, but uh, going to the next one before we go to Ohio State uh, and kind of do a little bit of a breakdown on that. I didn't watch all of it, but the Notre Dame-Florida State game looked like an absolute barn burner. It was absolutely breathtaking. <laughs> uh, when Florida State came back at home to tie it, at, uh, I think it was it was very late in the fourth, fourth overtime. I mean, right. I mean, if that place would have had a roof, it would have blown off. Um, I, I was so excited to see that after the comeback that they made, and it was substantial. Mm-hmm. And uh, what a, I mean, what a phenomenal game that happened to be. Right, right. I, thing is, though, I think Notre Dame jumped in the rankings. Do you think they should have dropped? Because I don't know how if Florida State was supposed to be bad this year, or if they actually are a good team because they've been struggling for a few years. I'll give them a few more games. I'm not sure how good either one of them actually is. Okay. <laughs> you know, well, and also, and I don't want to say this, but I'm going to anyway. I wonder how much of a sway Notre Dame gets because of the reputation, kind of like we get. You know, I think they get some of that too, just like we do in the playoffs. Like, yeah, but I mean, there are other teams that also get that. Maybe not to the same extent, but you know, right. Oklahoma. Um, right. I I think that. Uh, well, I also think that it has something to do with Notre Dame being independent. I know I know that we don't want to open that can of worms necessarily, <laughs> but you know, uh, yeah. so I, I think it just. It's so early in the season. We'll have to see how some games shake out. But one other note before we get to Ohio State. Six FCS teams beat FBS teams this week. Oh, man. Including, by the way, uh, Washington losing to Montana. Yeah, I I did see that one. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's some being put on notice here in FBS. The Grizzlies devoured the Huskies. Right. (laughs) <laughs> you can't overlook – right. You, know, you can't just overlook teams. Well, and, um, and I just was going to say, wasn't Montana like the best FCS team for a while? They were up there. I mean, they, I think it's Mon- – I don't remember I, that, but I think you're right. I think – I think was it Montana Grizzlies and then uh, – I forget what it was – North Dakota Bison and South Dakota State Jackrabbits are right. like the top mm-hmm. three. And North so, Dakota State – and is is you know still running away with FCS, right? Right, FCS <clears throat> dynasty. So, mm-hmm. um, but going back to the one uh, A here, what right. did you guys think of the Ohio State win over Minnesota? I think it was okay, all things considered. I just, I think fans, at least for my take, I think fans overreacted majorly on social media to CJ Stroud. I mean, this kid was a nineteen-year-old kid. He's not going to be twenty until next month. So you're telling, you're talking, you're telling this. Uh, redshirt freshman to take the ball, go into Huntington Bank Stadium, and beat a beat a, a great Minnesota team featuring the uh, Big Ten run, uh, running back of the year last year, 
And, um, and also you have no linebackers on defense, really. You've got some young linebackers. So I, I think this one played out about as I expected. What about you guys? I, uh, I totally agree, Luke. It's been one of those uh, games for the Buckeyes, especially opening kickoff games of the season, especially when they're on the road. Uh, a couple years ago, quite a few years ago, when they played Virginia Tech, Another example of this was a couple of years back when they played Indiana on the road. Yep. They struggled early on, but sooner or later they were able to pull it together. Same kind of deal with this new offense uh, and this new quarterback in C.J. Stroud. I'm looking forward to the rest of the season now. Looks like as, the, as long as they keep the running game going with the three running back system, they'll be a force to be reckoned with uh, right. this year as well. They're going right. to Right. And to go back to what you and to go back about the young quarterback uh, comment, Michael, I think we got the one of the better running games in the country, which if you if anybody watches any football, for me, at least personally, that is a young running or young quarterback's best friend is a great running game. Right. Uh, you know, I say it was CJ Stroud here and I said it was Baker Mayfield when he was a rookie. Uh, we weren't fantastic we were with the Browns that year. We were seven, eight, one. But when we won games, that's exactly how we won them is we had the running game going. Uh, the offensive coordinator basically broke down the offense in simple enough bites that Baker could do well. And, uh, and then he developed into hopefully as a Super Bowl champion in the next couple of years. Right. But, uh, but, but no, um, I definitely think this one played out the way it was supposed to. Ohio State won 45-31, and they've actually got a huge game coming up against Oregon at noon on Saturday, which I thought that was a little early. I think I would have put that at 3.30. But, um, now, Luke, do you think that this – is the sort of game because Oregon is 12, I believe now. Yeah. Um, that will tell us what we need to know about Ohio State, Oregon, and the Pac 12. I think that if Oregon is able to challenge us for more than three quarters, I think we might have to reevaluate some of the Pac 12, like the top four or so. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think it say say it's a dogfight for all four quarters. Say it's a, it's the game everyone thinks it could be. Um, you know, I think that's going to catch everybody's attention and it's going to make so many Ohio State fans complain. But I'm going to be like, yeah, I expected this. Right. Um, or maybe the Big Ten's not as good as they think we as they as we think they should be. When I think that 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 last comment, the Big Ten is not as good as we think it should be, is almost always the case because you've got mid to bottom big 10 not being very competitive at all i mean it's a great um step forward for the big 10 when northwestern in that second tier is above 500 so right right and then you have you know your bottom tier of the sec that looks even worse than that but i would say is a better conference. So it's a very kind of odd thing, but they have it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but no, I think, I think it's going to be a good game. I don't know if it'll be, I don't know if it'll be a dog final four quarters. And I say this because Oregon coach Mario crystal ball, crystal ball said uh, star defensive end Kayvon Thibodeau or Thibodeau, how do you pronounce his name? Suffered an ankle sprain uh, in oh, the Fresno. Fresno state game. So he didn't blow a knee. He didn't blow his leg out or anything, which I'm glad because I don't want to see anyone get hurt. And they escaped uh, Fresno State. Oh, yeah. I, I think they won by like a touchdown, mm-hmm. um, you know, but um, I'm hoping he's good. I'm hoping he's um, good enough to play. I actually was talking to a friend of mine before this podcast about that, where I want him to be, if he can be full strength, 
And right. I say this, I say this because number one, I want Ohio State to beat Oregon at their best. That way, nobody right. can make any excuses. And number two, if you have uh, a great defensive end uh, like this guy, like Kayvon Thibodeau, um, you have a, still a somewhat inexperienced offensive line. I mean, you returned some starters from the offensive line last year for Ohio State, but you have enough inexperienced guys that hey, if you've got somebody inexperienced from across from this guy, they're going to learn real fast. And you're right. gonna you're gonna need them to learn against guys like that, especially if Ohio State makes the playoffs, where you're not gonna be facing Oregon. No offense, the Ducks aren't gonna make it. I don't think, um, unless they beat us and start going on a roll. But right. uh, if Ohio State makes it, you're gonna be you're not gonna be facing Oregon. You'll be facing Alabama's, the Clemson's, the Blue Buds, where you're gonna need to have guys that can buckle down on great defensive pass rushers. So uh, I hope Kayvon Thibodeau can get better, just because of those reasons. But um, We'll see, man. I just still think this game should be 3.30. Maybe even a night game. I don't know, but it shouldn't be noon. Well, I, but see, here's – I think this is part of the TV landscape as it is. Fox is treating this as its biggest game of the week, and it's right. one of the biggest games of the year, and they always want to put it at noon Eastern, which, of course, will give the West Coast plenty of ammunition for the East Coast bias that we always hear right. about. Um, but you know, breakfast with football on the West Coast. So, <laughs> well, if it's breakfast with football, hopefully the Buckeyes don't piss in the in the Duck fans' Wheaties. So, but, uh, <laughs> I don't know if we know. Well, I'm not going to say that. I was going to say something like, I don't know if we know anything yet. No, we, we but, don't. But I mean, it's it's going to be. I don't think it's an artificial rivalry. I think it's going to be a really fun game. Um, I just always sort of. I mean, it's fun to have fodder to talk about in these podcast episodes, you know, before right. games really get going. It's like, well, we think we know what these what these teams should be ranked. I guess we'll see when games start happening. So Right, right. And well, when you got this mega conference coming up, I don't know if it's in the next couple of years or so. Right. Uh, I don't think Ohio State Oregon will be a rivalry. I'm actually excited to see Ohio State USC. That is a rivalry to me, I think. Um, for, for two blue, blue blood programs that have met in bowl games, met in regular season games, you know, and, they, and they've both just beaten the hell out of each other in past years. Um, right. No question. I think, yeah. what was it? Oh, man, I remember. I shout out to my friend Tyler Bear. He's a USC fan, and I think he was at the, what was it, 2009 OSU-USC game. That was when Matt Barkley led him down the field for, like, a game-winning touchdown. He actually was sitting in that section with his parent, with uh, Matt Barkley's parents and the USC parents. I mean, Jeez. that guy must have had like some prime tickets. I'm jealous, man. Right. Uh, <laughs> he's a USC fan in the shoe, and he was sitting with the parents, but he got to see them win the game and then enjoying himself. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next year, even though I was not 21 yet, I was tempted to drink when they beat us 35 to three out in Los Angeles. That but, was an, uh, that was an embarrassment. That was bad. Um, of course, I got ragged by a few Michigan fans because their team couldn't win. Deservedly so. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but no, going oh. back to the Pac-12, Pac Big Ten uh, alliance or super conference here, that's one right. matchup I'd like to see. But I don't think Oregon, Ohio State, I think it's just a, a good game between two good teams. So um, I guess we'll have a lot to talk about for the next episode then. Right. Yeah. Um, but before we move on to the next topic, we got to go over a, a little bit over the the uh, new playoff rankings or the new top four. You got number one, Alabama. No surprise there. Uh, number two, Georgia. I wasn't surprised there either. 
the Buckeyes are at number three, and then at four is the Oklahoma Sooners. I think it's fair. What do you guys think? I don't have much objection. I think that Oklahoma's hold on four is rather tenuous. Right. I, I don't know who's directly below Oklahoma either. I forget who number five is. Is it Clemson or did they drop to six? I'm not sure who five is. Um, but but no, like with what you were saying with um, Tulane barely losing to Oklahoma, I'm surprised they didn't drop farther than what they did. Yeah, I thought it was going to be seven to ten to be oh, honest, man. but oh, you know, I, I understand why they would keep it. Um, I, I it would be a great shock if Oklahoma had another one or two of those games like that. Um, but it would it would remind me of several of the Texas uh, programs that we've seen over right. the last five to ten years. So right, definitely. All is not well in Norman, and that doesn't bother me well, in any way. You know, and I know it's one game, but here's the thing. You're struggling with Tulane, and you got Oklahoma going to the SEC next year. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> the, Sooners, the Sooners are going to be mid-pack in the SEC, I think, at this rate. Jeez. So but Once again, mid-pack SEC, you're in pretty good shape, especially if you right. steal one or two. Right. And one one other note before we move on, I'm, I'm sorry that I keep adding things, but unless <laughs> you just just looked like not a football team against UCLA. Oh man, really. well, I mean, it was yeah. What was here? Let me see what the score was. But uh, but no, I think let me see. Let me jump on it real quick here. Yeah, I think it's thirty-eight twenty-seven UCLA. Yeah, they look pretty. It was pretty rough. Mm-hmm. Um. But uh, one more thing before we go on to pro football. Now I'm adding something. You got uh, McNeese State quarterback. I think his name's Cody. It was Cody Orgeron facing his dad, Ed Orgeron, LSU's head coach. That's going to be really interesting stuff. Just... <laughs> Get your popcorn ready for that one. I, yeah, I was looking at, at the uh, comments on that one. And do you know what the main comment I saw pop up was? I couldn't even begin to imagine. Tell us. Does he, does he sound like his dad? I'm okay. Go, go Tigers. This isn't go about Tigers. this isn't about football anymore. Go Tigers for America. Yeah. Then you say Tigers. Go Tigers. Right. <laughs> right. Oh man. Well, and I hope. And going back to Joe Burrow, I hope Orgeron gave Urban Meyer a huge load of crawfishes. Thank you for his uh, Heisman Trophy winner there. But uh, no man. We'll see. But uh, moving on to the NFL. Guys, it's a huge week one for both of our teams as the Browns head to Arrowhead to face the Chiefs and the Steelers head to uh, Orchard Park to face the Bills. Uh, man, I, I can't think of a pair of bigger games. Uh, what what are your guys' feelings about these? I got to hear it before I give my opinion. Well, I, as far as me with the Browns, I I just want us to challenge. I want I want us to be able to to make them think about it. And, and be the aggressor and, and say, hey, we left it all out there. If we win, that's phenomenal. It's something to build on. And if we lose, it, we can also build on it. So I just, I'm just ready for it to happen now. Right. Uh, what about your Steelers, Michael? How are you feeling? Well, I'm actually not feeling that great. I mean, it's the first week of the season, but now we understand that TJ Watt is in a contract dispute. Right. Uh, a lot of the times uh, with the NFL, uh, especially – probably compared to every other sport we hear uh people say especially from past generations say why don't these guys just 
play sports? Like, why don't they just play? They all get paid too much money, mm-hmm. you know, and all this stuff. TJ Ward is the top five NFL player yep. uh, in, yep. this, in this league. He's the most impactful defensive player other than Aaron Donald on the football field today. And the Steelers supposedly are not willing to give him a long-term deal. And I'm just dumbfounded by this because this is a guy who has been on the field probably as much as, you know, again, anybody except for Aaron Donald. I mean, when the guy's injured, the Steelers lose their entire running game. Why aren't you, why aren't you paying this man? Why aren't you stepping up to the plate? I mean, Johnny, who's, you know, um, has a regular old job, might not deserve 60 to $100 million and to break the bank from his regular job. But T.J. Watt is a guy who puts that lunch, who puts his hard hat on, who grabs his lunch pail and goes to work, man. So I believe that as a guy who's ripped apart uh, offensive lines for all of his career, I believe that he full-blown deserves whatever number he so well pleases because – you know, after this season, Big Ben's gone. It's really honestly time to blow up the entire team. Why not bust the bank on a guy like TJ Watt, a guy who is the leader of this team, who runs this defense? I mean, especially if we don't get TJ Watt for this Sunday against the Bills, uh, the Steelers are in trouble. To me, they already were going to lose to Buffalo by two touchdowns, but mm. it might even be worse than that without one. Man, wow. Here first. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I expected you to pick the Bills because Josh Allen and, and Buffalo are definitely Super Bowl contenders, um, which I actually got to jump into something before we go to the Browns Browns uh, take that I'm going to give here. Stephen A. Smith, that freaking blowhard, Stephen A. Smith put the Patriots as a Super Bowl threat instead of the Bills. Like, he gave his top five Super Bowl threats. Like, I think his first two were the expected suspects. You had Tampa Bay and Kansas City. Then I think he had the Rams – I forget who four was, but five, he put the, the Patriots. He did not put the Bills or the Browns. He put New England. I'm like, are you kidding me? You're not going to put the Bills in there? Well, I mean, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing, Luke. Um, I don't have a problem with him putting New England in there. Do I think that he did, should give the Browns more love? Yeah. But at the same time, we need to look at New England for what they are. What right. do they do that the Bills don't do? The Bills have evidently – throughout the past three, four years, absolutely positively cannot run the football. Right. Okay. So they can't run it. So, I mean, they're definitely not better than, you know, Cleveland and New England. I think where it comes to Cleveland and New England is that coin flip. I mean, it's going to be a tougher division definitely for the Browns than it is for the AFC East. So I can see why he slid New England up there past the Browns. Do I think the Browns are a more talented team? Absolutely. Do I think that they're probably of a better, you know, roster than in New England? Probably at this moment, yes. But over the course of the season, um, I think that Stephen A. picked New England because he believes that they're going to rise to the occasion. I mean, they have the talent, they have the players, and they have the coach. Uh, I think it's honestly a coin flip between Cleveland and New England. I mean, Cleveland has the better roster, but I think New England has the better path. Right. Usually I, I don't like Stephen A's hot takes on this either, Luke. <laughs> but you have to think that, man, New England's gonna be coming for people this year if everybody stays healthy. Oh yeah. Well, and then I think what it um I don't know how much cab space the, the Patriots had before they went into their <laughs> massive free agents uh free agency spending spree, but 
that's probably the most I've ever seen a team add in free agency. And I could almost think of what Bill Belichick was saying when he's watching the Browns and other teams in the playoffs on TV. Be like, guys, this is the only year I've missed the playoffs, and I am not freaking doing it again. <laughs> right. And so he went off. You know, I don't know why I'm thinking of this, Tony, but remember that Bob Knight rant at halftime against uh, Purdue? Yeah, him? yeah. You will not put me in that position again. You will not yep. put me in this position again, or you'll pay for it like you can't believe. Right. Uh, well, of course, he didn't say that, but we got to keep it clean. Well, yeah. yeah. But so, the, then oh. it makes me think of um, the the gambit that Bill Belichick had a few seasons back when Brady was still there, and, and the shirt said, humble pie um, – and Bill Belichick's something like I serve it, you eat it, or something like that. So it was basically everybody had bought into Bill Belichick knows what's up, which right. we all knew, but it was kind of a thing idea. Yeah. So, but um, but no, Bill Belichick, the Patriots are definitely going to be a better team, and I honestly have that as one of the Browns' losses this year. Yeah, I, I, I am not moving from that one. It is just tough to win at Foxborough. Bill Belichick is a genius. I don't like some of the stuff he's done, but the man is a proven winner. Um, so, but uh, going to the Browns before we move on to our next topic away from NFL football, uh, I think the the biggest key for the Browns is you just got to get the running game rolling like you always do when the Browns win. And I think you got to make uh, Mahomes uncomfortable because if you make him uncomfortable with the pass rush, you get um, Greg Newsome, Denzel Ward, and the other defensive backs who are starting um, opportunities because the secondary in the past year kept getting burned with the huge plays. Uh, now I'm not saying this secondary can't give up big plays. Any secondary can, um, but now hopefully they're a lot less likely to do so. Um, but I'll tell you what, for Greg Newsome, the brand new rookie, he's going to make his first career start on Sunday. I don't know of a bigger game you could start in than that one. Uh, as right. far as your first game for your career. Uh, you know, I almost hope Patrick Mahomes picks on him because I want to see how good this kid is. You know, he, you know, a lot of his plays that I've seen in training camp have been like hand-to-hand fighting with the receivers and he's picked off quite a few balls too. Right. So if you get like, if Pat Mahomes tries to pick on uh, Greg Newsom, hopefully we get some good pass rush from Miles Garrett, from Jadavian Clowney, if he's back in there and from the other pa- uh, defensive right. line. So he can make those plays. But, uh, you know, I don't know who's going to win that one. I'll give my take as far as what I think it's going to be like if either team wins. If, if Cleveland wins, I think it's going to be close. I don't see the Browns going in and spanking the Chiefs. All that would be amazing. Um, but I think if the Chiefs win, it could be a blowout. I still just think right. they're just, just too powerful. It, it's almost like, you know, I don't, I know they're not the same thing, but with sports, when the Cavs played the Warriors at full strength when LeBron was still here, uh, there was a point later on in that rivalry run where if Cleveland won, it was always close. But if Golden State won, they made them look stupid. You know, I think it's going to be another one of those, but we'll see. You know, I think the Browns could win an Arrowhead. That'd be a massive first win. Oh, my God. If they won that game, Tony, we'd have to have just like a Victory Monday podcast. (laughs) Jesus. It would probably be 10 minutes or three hours. I'm not sure which one. (laughs) Three hours of us just talking about the same shit or 10 minutes of us just screaming unintelligibly and Michael having to be like, guys. And that does not need to be a regular podcast episode. That can be at the end of a season or something like that. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, but moving, uh. moving on to the next topic, uh, I found something interesting. I know this is still NFL football. We don't have to stay on it. Um, but I thought it was interesting that uh, the Baltimore Ravens signed Le'Veon Bell uh, to their practice squad. Uh, 
I don't know if he'll start, though. Uh, Michael, you said he's behind a couple running backs still. So let's have you and Tony have a take on this whole whole Le'Veon Bell thing. Does he start or no? What do you guys think? Well, he's definitely not starting. Gus Edwards has already been named the running back one. And also, I think Harbaugh stated that Tyson Williams, undrafted rookie, is at RB2. So I think what they're doing here with Le'Veon Bell, they're just giving him a workout. Uh, right. to see if it, to see if he could cut the mustard and if he can and say an injury would happen to Tyson Williams or Gus Edwards Lev Bell would definitely have a solidified spot on the running back depth chart and he would be ready to roll come season i believe that they are going to sign it uh if it happens to be, if there happens to be another injured raven uh but i think it's a smart move for baltimore because i think they know that they need somebody to carry the ball just a little bit because a lot of their Super Bowl chase is going to be on the rushing game. What do you think, Tony? Well, and to just build a little bit on what you said, I think that uh, I, I don't want to say any team, but you know what? I will say any team would love to have an, uh, a talent like Le'Veon Bell, third on the depth chart. You, you just you wonder about what we've been wondering about for his entire career uh, as far as, you know, can he be fully engaged all the time? So I think anything that they get from Le'Veon Bell will be a bonus. I don't know what what you guys think about that, but I think that it's a, it's a luxury for Baltimore to have him and we'll see what he is able to produce. Right. No, at first I was kind of freaking out because I didn't know that Gus Edwards was named the starting running back. Um, but apparently Le'Veon Bell is not as good as I thought he was. And Michael, you know him better than both of us because you're a Pittsburgh fan. So you've known what he looks like when he is good. Um, but no, it. Um, I thought it was going to be a bigger help for the Browns that they signed Le'Veon Bell. I'm not saying he's a bad running back, but when they lost Justice Hill and uh, J.K. Dobbins, I'm not happy anyone got hurt, but inside talent-wise, I'm thinking anything to hurt the team and kind of make them less effective. But I still hope Justice Hill and J.K. Dobbins heal up. So it's kind of kind of weird, kind of a weird spot for a fan to be in is you don't want to see someone get hurt, but at the same time, when it hurts one of your rival teams to lose their best players. I'm not exactly feeling bad either, but moving on to the next topic, we got the Cleveland Indians here. They just lost to the Minnesota twins. But the one thing that I'm concerned about is uh, I think Terry Francona just recovered from a foot surgery that uh, he had. That's part of a, he had a foot surgery that uh, was part of a treatment for a <laughs> staph infection. I didn't know that guys. That's pretty rough. So, um, but he also had one of his hips replaced last month. So I'm almost thinking at some point he should retire here pretty quick. Well, but, over the last three to five seasons, um, I thought that he would, and he hasn't yet. I imagine that if he was going to, after this year might be the time. But right, right, it could be that he ends up just as a consultant or a bench coach or something, at least on an interim basis for yeah. somebody. I mean, you know, he's a baseball lifer, so. And he's a surefire Hall of Famer. And yeah, I imagine he'll just keep going until he can. So, right, right. So I hope he gets better. If he wants to keep managing, I hope he when he comes back. But um, you know, when I heard that, you know, it was kind of sad because I've I've grown to really really like Tito. I just wish this team was doing better for him. But sometimes you can't really help that in a game like baseball. So, um, but yeah, going to the next topic, the Cavaliers. And I don't get this one, guys. And you got to help me out with this because you're you're the bigger NBA uh, follower, uh, uh, bigger uh, followers than I am. The Cavaliers. Uh, 
according to Bleacher Report, which I, I do trust them in some things, but they're still possibly going to try to trade for uh, Ben Simmons from the Philadelphia 76ers. As long as we don't mortgage the franchise, we, we can play it whatever we want. I, th- I think that it's just – I think having someone like Ben Simmons is either the gr- a great idea or a powder keg. Right. Um, right. Well, and, you know – Oh, go ahead. I it just I, – I, I'm really trying to figure out what, what the lasting upside would be. If you want a – guy who can be dynamic and score some, but we already saw um, the reason that they're even thinking about trading him is because he was really, really struggling offensively in the playoffs. I just don't see what the long-term upside to Ben Simmons is for many, many teams. You may be able to stash him, you know, as a third option on several teams. I don't, I don't see what the long-term end game is here. Right. You know, and, you know, and he's incredibly talented. He's a three-time no all-star. question about it. He's a three-time all-star and was named to the all NBA defensive first team. Mm-hmm. But, you know, from what I've seen, you know, at least from what I've also read and from what Joel Embiid said about how he just was playing lackadaisical in a playoff game with the seven right. series yes. on the line. Um, it, oh, you got something to add, Michael? I thought you were. Uh, yes, I do. Uh, ben Simmons. Uh, Really a physical talent. I think that he would fit really well in a Golden State uh, where yep. they're not guard shooting dependent because they already have scoring. Right. Uh, but for the Cavs, I don't necessarily see somewhere where he fits for the Cavaliers. Uh, right. They specifically need a wing shooter, and he is not a wing shooter by any means. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I truly believe uh, that a Golden State would be a good fit. But if the Cavs happen to trade for Ben Simmons, I believe that it's a little bit of a scenario like uh, Andrew Bynum was a few years back. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it might just be planting the seeds for LeBron Jr. to come back, like I talked about previously on this podcast, (laughs) as I chuckled to myself. You know, these are the kind of trades where if the Cavs make them, they are setting themselves up for failure, which means they are going to get LeBron Jr. Just saying. (laughs) I I will say it until the cows come home every time. We have a Cavalier segment. I will mention my prediction just so I can speak it into existence. Ladies, yeah, you guys go ahead. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Reiner is prepared to die on that. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. I will. Uh, oh, yes. It's very no, clear. I, you no, will. You'll, just, you'll just see me laying there. I'll plant my Cavs flag in the, in the ground. Right. I'll be at the top of a hill, and I'll just drop. Be like the Monty Python night sketch. Tis only a flesh wound. I'll just be like, like, all right, boys, time to bury him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, But no, I, uh, you know, like I said, I'm I'm not as big of an NBA follower as you guys are. I'm just, it's not as much of a sport for me as it is for for you guys that you're into. But uh, when I saw that, I'm just like, all right. I'm kind of like you guys. I I had a basic view of it. I'm like, the guy's an all-star, but he's also a diva. Do we really need cancers on this team? And especially like with what you were saying, Michael, if it's not a great fit, what's the point? I mean, if it was absolutely what we needed, then sure, go get him. But if if there's if it's trying to like shove a square peg into a round hole, why do it? But like you were like you were saying, maybe they're gonna blow everything up. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, but now to close to the end of the show here, we got a couple more topics. But this, Michael, we need you to come in from the top rope and deliver a macho man, Randy Savage, flying elbow for this one. 
about AEW All Out and what happened at that pay-per-view, man. We need to hear this shit. Well, Sunday night, September 5th, pretty awesome show. It had the return of a guy by the name of CM Punk. I'm sure all the wrestling fans listening know who that is. Yep. Uh, and the return of uh, Daniel Bryan to the ring, now named Brian Danielson, his real name. Uh, basically, the company was all started by fellow Jacksonville Jaguars owner, Mr. Tony Khan. He's a wrestling fan. He's bringing in all these different wrestlers because of two things, gentlemen, cash and creative. Guys are getting paid just as much money as they would by WWE, and they're also given creative control uh, and creative input to do what they want to do. Um, so basically, it's just really fun show to watch. I've been watching it the past four years. Uh, they've had shows Wednesdays on Dynamite uh, since 2019. And man, oh man, it's a great show. The fans are always electric. I've been to the Pittsburgh shows, but this all-out show was absolutely fantastic. It was the pinnacle of their existence at this point. Uh, basically, it was the heel faction, the elite. They came out to the ring. They helped Kenny Omega fend off the baby faces after he retained his world championship. And Adam Cole showed up, who he was a member of the elite until he signed with WWE in 2017, went to WWE for four years, and then he decided to join back up with his friends in AEW. Boom, Daniel Bryan comes out, and the place goes absolutely nuts at the end of the show. The show also featured probably the best steel cage match ever seen, in my opinion. Tag team match between the Young Bucks and the Lucha Bros. The Young Bucks, they're the heel tag team, and they super kick people with Jordans on. But they decided to have their teammates in the elite throw them over tennis shoes with thumbtacks on the bottom to put Ooh, in the faces of the Lucha Bros. It was like they were great and cheese, man. It was like they were rubbing the skin right off, right oh. onto the shoes. And, man, oh, man, it was, it was nasty. Just a total spectacle. And I, if you're a wrestling fan of any kind, go back and watch the show. Just nonstop action from the top bell, and the fans really enjoyed it. Um, and let me tell you guys, you know, WWE is Walmart to me. They'll never face real true competition, but there's something to be said for a locker room full of passionate talent and passionate individuals, and I'm looking forward to the next few years with AEW and what's going to happen going forward. Highly recommend that everyone watch this show. So much young talent all over the board. What's what's the normal channel we can watch the regular shows on, man? Where are they at? Uh, AEW Dynamite. It's on Wednesday night at eight o'clock on TNT. Okay. And TNT also has uh, AEW Rampage, and that's on Fridays at ten p.m. So oh, TNT man. is really really pleased with the ratings that they've gotten on Wednesday. <laughs> well, of course, yeah. I mean, oh, to man. add, uh, a- Dynamite has only been on since October two thousand nineteen. And even through the pandemic era, uh, ratings still stayed somewhat steady. Um, so TNT wanted a second show called Rampage. And uh, AEW, man, it's taken off in more ways than one. I, I just was going to say I watched the uh, some of the highlights of the, um, the AEW. What is it, All Out? It's like yeah. their, their WrestleMania is all out, basically. Um, but I had never heard such a loud crowd pop in my life when uh, – Brian Danielson came out. Oh my God. You know, you had Adam Cole and the other guys out there 
And then you had the flight of the Valkyrie and the whole place, like you said, the, the roof just came off of it. I mean, and I, I know there are several wrestlers in the past that have, you know, gotten loud crowd pops, but I think, and maybe I'm being a homer, but this is the loudest crowd pop I've ever heard for a match since I watched old Ultimate Warrior matches when he came out. Like, I think Warrior's return to WrestleMania was probably the second loudest pop I've ever heard besides that one with Daniel Bryan. I mean, my goodness, it was in Chicago. Could you imagine being there in person? <laughs> well, I actually have one that could top it, and it was from two weeks before. When CM Punk showed up in the United Center uh, uh, on Rampage two weeks ago, I would actually ago. rank that above the Daniel Bryan pop, not because of this sheer moment, but because it was in a bigger building. Uh, the show that they were in for All Out was in, so the, was in the Now Arena, which is in a suburb of Chicago, but the Rampage show with CM Punk's unexpected return was in the United Center in downtown Chicago. So I highly recommend you check that out. Right. But uh, back to what you mentioned, uh, Luke, uh, Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, man, he's really become a legend the past five years, returning to WWE. This is a guy who main evented WrestleMania four months ago mm-hmm. and his contract expired. He says, I want to go to AEW so I can write my own music, man. Mm-hmm. He says, I want to go to AEW so I could work with some new guys right. and uh, still have a lighter schedule as well. Mm-hmm. So great to see him there and great to see all the members of the elite back together, uh, especially guys that made it on the internet through uh, making their YouTube show being the elite. And now the company is literally named after them. The Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson, and Adam Cole. Adam Cole two weeks ago, was the lead man on NXT, which is the competitor of AEW. NXT and AEW were in a ratings battle for about the span of two years. Uh, AEW really garnered that fan base and won the war since April. NXT has been on Tuesday nights. And when Adam Cole's contract expired after his match with uh, Kyle O'Reilly and NXT on August 22nd, everybody knew, you know, Adam Cole's going to go to be with his friends in AEW and it's just pretty surreal to see a guy who was with a competitor two weeks ago jump ship and join AEW and there's a lot of people that aren't going to know you know who the Bucks are who Kenny Omega are who Adam Cole are but once they start feuding with Daniel Bryan uh, Bryan Danielson excuse me and CM Punk people are going to know who they are and it'll just make these guys stronger so I'm excited for what's going to happen going forward I gotta ask you one more thing with this before we go to the final segment of the show. But uh, I got to wonder, is Vince McMahon shitting his pants or is he kind of just sitting back and just laughing at this whole thing? I don't even know how he'd react. I think he's sitting back and laughing. And here's the thing. I think that there's a lot of people that go on the internet and they get really excited about the different segments. And yes, it's something that makes you know the blood course within my veins. But I also believe that WWE is Walmart. When I say that, I mean that nothing that AEW does will really affect them from a business standpoint right now. Now, could it within 10 years, 20 years, 25 years? Well, that remains to be seen. We don't know. But at the same time, um, I don't believe that this is something that Vince McMahon loses sleep over at night because he was fully okay with these two men leaving the company. Uh, they've been open with saying that their meetings, their their departure meetings with him were good. Um, so I think that, that whole philosophy goes back to WCW, WWE thing, where there was actually competition. Now WWE is a publicly traded company. Mm-hmm. 
it's signing billion dollar television deals with Fox and NBC. Um, so I don't think they have anything to worry about. I think that the wrestling business is in very strong circles right now. Um, people have the ability to work and make good money in all different areas of the world, uh, whatever company you work for. And I just believe it's great for the wrestling economy. And I believe that people need to support all wrestling. You know, I mean, WWE has its weak points, but it also has very strong points uh, with their top guys and Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar and John Cena. You know, don't make it seem like AEW is, you know, head and shoulders above them. I mean, they might be the new hot, cool thing, but that doesn't mean WWE isn't doing real well either. It's the best time to be a pro wrestling fan right now. And I'm excited for what is going to happen in the next few months. And that's the Reiner rundown because Iron Mike said so. (laughs) Well, Michael, you really pinned this one down for the one, two, three with the Reiner rundown. Uh, That was a fun, uh, fun explanation of AEW. And you guys, you better get ready for episode nine of the three CP sports podcast coming your way. But until next time, I'm Luke Wickheiser with my friends, Tony Snyder and Michael Reiner. Have a good night, everybody. Take care, everyone.